0: A little bit of celebration news um, that uh, Dougie was just uh, expressing to me that we have a football team called Arena FC, it's the Green Army, and uh, they have again won the league, so this is the uh, third time in four years, so I think that deserves a proper round of if we're going to give a round of applause, let's do it properly, and many of the guys are here who play in that. And uh, it's a way of an outreach. We connect with a lot of guys who wouldn't normally come and naturally come to church, but just have a great time together. I just wondered as well, whilst whilst I was in worship, I just felt prompted to just say this. And I wonder if those guys who serve in media and also in PA sound, would you just, if you're at the back, I still want you to stand up. But if you're out here and you'd normally be serving, I wonder if you'd just stand to your feet just for a moment. And I just want you to all look around, okay, at these guys. They do a remarkable job. They often get forgotten because they're hid behind a screen or hid behind, you know, a barrier there. But I want to say that they are the people that enable you to hear. And they do their utmost best to just get the sound levels right and the words at the right time and the graphics coming on. And if you would have an interest in being involved in that team, then you can get involved in it. No, Neil, I didn't say you could. You have to stand up. Okay. Um, Then you can get involved in that team. But more than that, I just wanted to say, guys, a big thank you to you. I know I create a lot of issues for your time, but I wonder if we could just put our hands together to just thank these guys. Okay, you can now take your seats. Okay, so thank you so much for those guys who serve in that area. As Julie has rightly said, we're in a three-week series. This is week two of a series called, mini-series called Hope is Here. And uh, the, the reality is hope is here. If you are new this morning to Arena Church, I trust that your, your spirits will be lifted as a result of being here. I pray that... If you feel discouraged, that you'll leave this place feeling encouraged. I pray that if you are disheartened, that your, you know, just attitude and spirit would just become alive as a result of being amongst some great people. You see, we have a heart uh, in Arena Church, and that is to speak words of life. There's a lot of bad news, isn't there, out there? The, The preaching will be much better if you respond. So there's a lot of bad news out there, isn't there? But here we want to just be a place where we actually bring good news. And the, the good news is that hope is here, particularly if you've ever messed up. Give me a wave if you've ever messed up. Just keep your hands there. If, you know, if you're in a state where you just feel like you, you just keep messing up. You know, There's a lot of people out there. All of us, all of us have messed up. But I want to announce to you today that hope is here even if you've messed up, because he's the God, not only of the second chance, but he's the God of the many chances. Can I hear a big resounding amen? He's not a God of the second chance, he's a God of the third chance, and the fourth chance, and the 50th chance, and the 100th chance. Because he's a God who never, ever gives up on us. He never, ever lets us down. And whilst we're thinking about this series, you see, last week we was... Addressing the whole subject of, of course, Good Friday. And we remembered how Jesus came as the perfect sacrifice. And he laid down his life because of the love of the Father and the love of the Son and the love of the Spirit to this world. But then the Bible records that he didn't remain in the ground. He didn't remain in the tomb. But he rose from the grave and last Sunday it was great to be able to celebrate with people who were baptised. But to see a full house of people just celebrating the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. But there was an aftermath. There were things that happened after this happened. And I want to just pick up on a story of the aftermath. And I wonder if you have your Bibles, whether you turn with me to John 21, if you haven't got them then don't worry because it's going to be on the screen. But here's a story of incredible hope. Because there was a man before we get there by the name of Peter. And even if you're not from a church background, you will read about Peter in the Bible, in the New Testament. And Peter was one of the disciples, the followers of Jesus. He was a significant follower of Jesus. In fact, he was the one who said, Jesus, when everybody else fails you, I won't. I will love you to the very end. I will never, ever let you down. I won't let them take you, Jesus. He was the one who, when they came to arrest Jesus in the garden, he took a sword and cut off the soldier's ear. And Jesus rebuked him for that and healed the soldiers here because it was the timing, the season for Jesus to go and die upon the cross. This is Peter. This is Peter who was, had a lot to say for himself. This was Peter who wasn't slow in coming forward. I don't know whether you're like that. But he was. I would think Peter was probably the life and soul. He was a bit of a ringleader kind of character. He was leading the charge. This was Peter. But the Bible records that when Jesus was arrested... Peter's heart began to fail, not physically, but just emotionally, spiritually. He was full of fear. And he thought the very thing that's going to happen to Jesus is going to now happen to me. So when he was challenged, weren't you with that Jesus? He said, I don't know who you're talking about. Which Jesus are you talking about? He disowned him. This happened three times. He disowned Jesus. The very one who he said he would lay his life down for. You see, Peter seriously, seriously messed up. And we see the aftermath, a story after the event that should bring such hope to every one of our hearts who have ever felt like we've let Jesus down. If you're a Christian here today, this message is most definitely for you. But if you don't know anything about Jesus, I want to say this message is most definitely for you too. Because the reality is, all of us have messed up. And we see Peter here in this story. Now, we find him going back to what he was originally doing. He went back to the family business. And the family business was fishing. They were fishermen. And so he went back to catching fish. You're reading John 21. In fact, the Bible records that he had a huge catch of fish, 153 large fish. You've got to read the Bible for it says the Bible is very descriptive. It gives the number and it gives the size. This was a huge catch of fish. This was a huge financial blessing and success that came to Peter and the family business. But we pick it up in verse 15 of John 21. Because what happened was, Jesus then beckons them to come to him. Because he reveals himself to them in his alive state. And he makes breakfast for them. And this is what it says in verse 15 of John 21. When they had finished eating, Jesus then said to Simon Peter... Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? I'll come on to the these. Some commentators say different things. The these in my mind as I read this and I've looked at it and as I've read it and studied it and just tried to get my head around. These was the fish, his livelihood. Do you love me more than your livelihood? Do you love me more than what you've gone back to? And Peter... Responds, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, well, feed my lambs. And then again, Jesus said to him moments later, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, take care of my sheep. And then the third time, again, moments later, he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And now Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. This is a great story of hope. The one who disowned Jesus The one who'd messed up big time and all his friends knew it. There was no hiding from it. They all knew it. He'd scarpered. The the big boy who said that he wouldn't let anybody take Jesus was the one who was fearful when a little servant girl asked him, did he know Jesus? And he went back to the family business. And Jesus here in this story, what I love about it in the aftermath of resurrection is that he restores this failed man. It takes him from his failed state, where his head was down, where his heart was heavy, where he thought there was no hope for him. I've messed up. I'll just go back to what I know. I'll go back to my old life. Any new Christians here and you mess up and you think... That's it. Jesus can't love me any longer. I'll go back to my old ways. And this is what happened. He went back to his old life. But Jesus lovingly calls him and lovingly restores him. I thought I'd get a big amen. The hope, hope is here. Hope is in this story. We'll come back to the story in a moment. The reason why we wanted to put this series together, and we were very intentional about putting it together, is that we wanted to show that hope is still here. And this is so important because most people who I come across are devoid of hope. You talk to them in the shops, you talk to them in school playground those who were teachers those who were nurses those who were doctors those who were business leaders those who were mums and dads those are grandparents you just talk to people in the shops around about as police officers and you realize the more you listen the more you realize people are devoid of hope there's a lack of hope and you know hope isn't just hopelessness isn't just assigned to war torn countries Or places of famine. You know, there there can be places where people don't have any food. And if you watch the news, your heart needs to be wrecked. Mine is, as I read of contexts where war is ravished. And it just seems as though it's getting worse in certain areas. I was deeply troubled by the reports on, I think it was ITV, of two weeks ago in Yemen, where... Just some terrible things that are happening to children. No, no food, no water, no health care. Really plighting, affecting that whole nation. Tragic. And you know, people are devoid of food and health care and education. But you know what's even worse? Is that many of these people are devoid of any hope. Because they're saying to themselves, even if I had a bit of food, it's not going to get any better. And the reality is most of you have food and have access to health care. But there's a lack of hope in our hearts. We come across young people. I am so excited by what God is doing amongst young people and children in our church. We are having record numbers in our kids' church. They do an amazing job through Acorns, through our community outreaches. And they do an incredible job through Universal, both here and in Mansfield. Nearly 100 young people are turning out on a Friday night. It's awesome, guys. We need to thank God for it. Josh, you'd like another zero on the end, but we thank God for those kids who are coming under the sound of the gospel that are being loved and cared for. But what I realized is this I was in three weeks ago and I had the opportunity of speaking to the Universal guys in Ilkeston. But there is, amongst many of them, a lack of hope. You look in their eyes. And there's no hope. There's no hope in their eyes. When I go shopping, the occasions that I do, and I'm not dragged there because I'm quite a happy shopper. Sometimes. Well, let me just get it out there, okay? We have to. Why is it that ladies, you have to go to ten shops and then go back to the same shop and just buy the item you saw in the first place? Any, any guys, sympathise with me, give me a wave. None of you. Oh, there's a few of you. Dare own up, okay? Why is that? What, what is that? Is it just you want to inflict pain on us? I don't know what it is. You look round the shops, and you look in people's eyes. And you see a lack of hope. Can I say I've looked in certain people's eyes that have come through this door. And I've looked into their eyes. And I've seen a lack of hope. Mm -hmm. That is why we're preaching this message. Hope is here. Not hype is here. Not hype is here. (laughs) Hope is here. Jesus is here. Jesus can change your life. If you'll allow him. And young people are devoid of hope. What about another group of men? I was reading, and I do want to mention this. I've mentioned this before, but I was just, again, it was on my heart, heavy. Because more men are committing suicide than ever before. The highest suicide rate in the UK is for men between the ages of 40 and 44. 44. Rates have increased. This was a courtesy of the Samaritans, 2017, so they're right up to date. Rates have increased in the UK by 3.8%. There were 6,639 suicides in the UK. (laughs) And the male rates remain consistently higher than the female suicide rates across the UK and Republic of Ireland. Most notably, five times higher in the Republic of Ireland and three times higher in the UK. So for every one lady, there's three men who are committing suicide. Men, let me say to you, if you are devoid of hope, put your trust and hope in God. And we're going to give you an opportunity at the end to be able to hear something and continue to come to a church like this. Even if you're not from the area, Find, or if you don't want to find it, come go to a good church. We'll point you in a direction. If you don't like our worship, we'll point you in a direction where you'll find an, a place where you'll like the worship. We just want you to hear the hope yes. that is here. Yes. I'd hate for anybody to go and do anything daft. Hope is here. Yes. You see... The reality is God knows that we'll fail. That's why I started by saying he's the God of the second chance and the third chance. He's the God of the many chances because he knows that we'll fail. Because just look at me for a moment, if you will. And I just want to, in some way, unpack my heart because I don't want you to think that you're looking at somebody who's really got it all together. I'm on the journey like you. I love Jesus. I have to go on the discipleship journey like you. I have to read my, not have to, I want to read my Bible. I want to come to church. I want to pray. I want to get it right with Caroline and the children. I'm on a journey, but I don't always get it right and I am so grateful that God is the God of many chances because there's many times that I have got it wrong but my Bible tells me in 1 John 3 and verse 1 it'll come on the screen that God is lavish with his love He says this. See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. I was going to do a little bit of a trendy kind of video skit, but I knew that our head of creative would have a um, serious strong word with me, Jordan. um, So I decided against it. But I was going to illustrate the fact of just having a nice pudding and just pouring some, you know, that frothy cream on and then just saying, but God, He's a lavish God. And He lavishes, you know... And just, in fact, anybody know what I'm talking about? He just lavishes. I wanted to just show the lavish love of God in a, in a most descriptive. So hopefully you've got that image in your mind. How God lavishes yeah, very good. with his love. Very good. Even when he knows we'll get it Wrong. Some people think God loves me. I used to think this was a revelation to me, that God loved me when I was good, but when I was bad, he fell out of love with me. I don't know where that bad theology came from, but that was what was in my mind years and years and years ago. I want to say that is bad theology. That is bad thinking. God loves us even though we may be in our sinfulness. God still loves us. Some people think that if they walked into this place they you know wouldn't be accepted. I want to say God doesn't like the sin, but he loves the sinner. He does, and you've heard me say this time and time again, and he loves us too much to leave us as we are. Now this is not an excuse then to go on sinning. Because some people have taken that and said, "Well, the lavish love of God is upon us. I'm under his grace." He loves me in spite of my weaknesses and my failures, so I'll continue to keep on sinning. And of course, there is a man in the Bible by the name of Paul who had this same issue amongst people like this who were listening to him, and he had to address them. In Romans 6 verse 1, he says this, What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. If you read Romans 6, you'll note there that Paul is basically saying God's grace is towards us. But he does not give us an excuse to just carry on sinning. Are you hearing me this morning? I want you to understand the grace and the truth. God is a gracious God. He loves us in spite of our weaknesses, in spite of our failures. And nothing will separate us from the love of God. We've heard it this morning. But... He also doesn't want that to be an excuse to just carry on sinning. Oh, I'm under the grace of God. I'll go and get hammered. Hey, I'll go and sleep around. I'll go and do what I need to do. Listen, I've come across people who've behaved like that. Listen to me. If you're part of Arena Church, there are standards that God, through His Word, not my words, through His Word, that He expects us to live by. Okay so we don't carry on sinning and doing the things that we feel that we should be doing or we can do or the world tells us we can do we live according to this book the bible the bible is very very clear very clear but god loves us we are not a mistake we are not a failure you are not stupid you are not guilty. I wrote this in the weekly news intentionally. But let me say, you are loved by God. Full of purpose. You are forgiven. You are washed and you are clean. You are smart. You are valued. You are unique. Hope is here in you. Can I hear a big amen? Hope is here in you. So if you've ever messed up and the voice has come to you that says those kinds of things about you, I want to tell you that God says something completely different about you. But there's two simple things that I want to just finish up with. Going back to the story. Because there was, of course, a man who had messed up and was now fishing. But God had greater purpose for his life. And this is how God restored hope. And if you need hope restoring in your heart, if you look in the mirror and you see your life devoid of hope, if you are a young person and you are thinking thoughts of negativity and destruction, harming yourself, if you're a man, if you're a lady and you think that you are not smart, you're awful, if you think that you are a sinner and you continue to you know, just mess up even though you know Jesus and you think you're now nothing, This is for you because God wants to restore hope to every one of our hearts. And this is what he did with Peter, who was unforgivable in many ways. What he did, he deserted him, he disowned him. But this is what happened. Number one, go back to the story. Jesus says to Peter three times, do you love me? Just nudge the neighbor next to you, and he said, "Do you love me? He said, "Do you love me?" Jesus asked him the question, Do you love me? You may say that's a strange thing to nudge and get people, yeah, I wanted to do it do you lo-? because this is what he was basically saying to Peter, if you want to Restore hope in your heart. It starts with a life-changing decision. A life-changing decision. He asked him three times, do you love me? I want to ask you the same question. Do you, not do you love me, do you love him? This is the start of a life-changing decision. This love, this relationship, Will fill your heart with hope in your darkest hour, in your greatest need, when the prognosis is not good from the doctor, when everything around you is failing you, when everybody feels like they're deserting you. Hope will be still in your heart because you started with a life changing decision. I'm not talking about religion, I'm not talking about reading the Bible, I'm not talking about praying, I'm not talking about taking communion, breaking of bread. I'm not talking about giving to the poor. All of these are good things. But I'm talking about where is your love? Where is your love quota? Is it duty or is it love? Because if it's love, then this will be the start of a life-changing decision. But I want to tell you, this love costs. This love costs. Peter was now being challenged with the fact of this love costume because Jesus said to him, Unless you love me more than these, what is these? As I've said to you, it was the catch of fish, it was his livelihood. But I wonder what can get in the way of you with God. I wonder what gets in the way of me with God. Korea, your family, your kids, your grandkids, that husband. That wife, that house, that car. What gets in the way of these things? Because Jesus said, Unless you love me more than these. And what I've come across many, many times is that well meaning people who attend church, they read the Bible, (laughs) they even take breaking of bread, they may even serve. But when it drives down, where is the greatest love? And it's not always Jesus. Matthew 10 verse 37 says this, Anyone who loves their father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. He's not saying you can't, you shouldn't love your mom and dad, of course you should. He's not saying you shouldn't love your wife and your husband and your kids, of course we should. But he's saying you can't love these more than me. Because anyone who loves their son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And I want to tell you, I hope it's never put to the test. But I literally would go to, you know, fall on the sword for my children. And some of you would know what I'm talking about. I'd literally die in their place for them. But actually, I need to have a deeper love for Jesus. Jesus. A deeper love for Jesus. That's what he's challenging us here. Where is your love quota? Where is your love? And what I've realized is this. The more I love Jesus, the more I love my kids more. The more I love Jesus, the more I love my wife more. The more I love Jesus, the more I love my church more. The more I love Jesus, the more I love you more. Another way of putting it is in Luke 14, verse 27. One day when large groups of people were walking along with him, Jesus turned and told them, anyone who comes to me, but refused to let go of their father and their mother, their spouse, their children, their brothers, their sisters, yes, even one's own self can't be, listen, can't be my disciple. Some people have just never let go. We need to let go and we need to get hold of God. So it starts with a life-changing decision. And in a few moments, I'm going to give people an invitation to follow Jesus. This kind of following, not about coming to church, not about reading your Bible. You need to do those things, but about having a love with God, a love after God, a pursuing after God, a following after God. And this is where hope began to return to Peter. Because he started with a life-changing decision because he said, Jesus, I love you more than these. I love you more than these. The second thing is, and finally, to restore hope. And Jesus, what he did with him, was he challenged him. And Peter began to live with purpose. And he found the vision. He says in John 21 verse 17, the third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt because... Jesus had asked him for the third time. <laughs> Again, men, it's terrible, isn't it? When your wives say to you, do I look nice in this dress? Yeah, you look all right. <laughs> no, do I look nice in this Look, I've told you once. How many times do I have to tell you? Anybody else like that? You know, when I it was a bit like that with Jesus, wasn't it? With, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you really love me? And he says, you know that I love you. You know that all, all these things And then Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. This was the second part of restoring hope. Because what he did, he filled him with a vision. He filled him with a purpose. He filled him with what he was going to be doing with his life. You are no longer going to be catching fish, Peter. You can put those fish away. Give them to your family. You are now going to go and feed my sheep. You are now going to go and teach my church. You are now going to go and build the church. There's a greater purpose that rests over your life. Not only did he restore his relationship, but he restored his purpose. There was a sense of purpose that came. And what I've realized is this. That people who live with hope in their heart, live with a sense of purpose. Live with real purpose in their heart. And that purpose is not about making money. The greatest entrepreneurs in this world did not set about to become billionaires and the wealthiest people on the planet. Their purpose was, when you look at their stories, was to go and make a difference. And the greatest church leaders in this world, who pastor the largest churches across this planet, did not set out to build the largest church. They set out to make a difference in their communities. They were living with purpose. I want to encourage you today. Are you living with a sense of purpose? If you have no idea what your purpose is, if you have no idea what your vision is for your life, then you must, you must, you must nudge the neighbor and actually say, I think he means this. You must go through growth track. There isn't much activity going on. Okay, I want some nudging. Okay, gently nudges. Listen, you must go through growth track because growth track will enable you as from the 7th of May, as Julie said, there's food afterwards, which is always great. Hip, hip, hooray, okay? And there's always nice food and nice puddings afterwards. But on the 7th of May and then the 14th, 21st, 28th, will help you to know God, find freedom. Thirdly, discover your purpose. Again, I've realized so many people have no idea what they're meant to be doing. They have no idea what they're doing with their life. They're just existing. And we want to help you to find your purpose. Because if we want to restore hope, if hope is here, it comes out of people living with a sense of purpose. I read this this week. I was so impacted by it. I thought, this is it. Yes, yes. This is what's helped me with my life. Listen to me. Listen to this quote very carefully. The greatest gift you can give yourself is a vision so compelling it pulls you through discouragement, setbacks, and delay. I want to say, I have, without standing Aaron, I have given myself a gift. He summed it up for me. I have given myself a gift many years ago. It's a gift that's very precious to me, because God called me, and God called me to go and make a difference in this world, and he called us to this vineyard called Ilkeston in this area, and this vision that God has placed in our hearts enables us, literally, let's listen to the words again, it has pulled us through discouragement, setbacks, and delay. It is a vision that we hold dear to our hearts. You are not going to take this vision from me. It is God's gift to my life. And I want to live with a sense of purpose in my heart. To serve you wonderful people day by day. Even though you frustrate me at times. And even though I frustrate you at times. Even though I irritate you at times. And even though you irritate me at times. Am I speaking to anybody today? I'm just being honest. But this is a gift. Living with a sense of purpose. Peter, your life is not meant for catching fish. Out on your dad's boats, you are a builder of the church. Go and feed my sheep. Now, of course, your purpose might not be like Peter's. Your purpose may be to go and teach those kids in that classroom. Your purpose might be to go and build that great business. Your, 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 your purpose may be to be an amazing mom and dad. And of course, that's all of us if we have got children. You understand I'm not saying this is where everybody needs to go. But we all discover our purpose. Are you hearing me this morning? You've all gone quiet. We all live with a sense of purpose. We find the vision in our hearts. Time has gone from me. There are many people in the Bible who had amazing comebacks. It was greater than Rocky. Who loves films where there's just a great comeback? I love a great comeback, don't you? Come on, give me a wave if you love it. I love a great comeback. Comeback kids, and oh, I love it. It just, I don't need these chick flicks. Anybody with me, blokes? We want comebacks, don't we? Sorry I've picked on you ladies a little bit this morning. Normally it's the blokes. The Bible is full of comeback kids. Joseph, imprisoned, saved his people. Moses, a murderer, a comeback kid, led the people into the promise. Nehemiah, he wasn't a comeback, but he was a man who lived out of great purpose. And Peter disowned Jesus, cut off a soldier's ear, ran away fearful. And Jesus said to him, do you love me? And he says, you know I love you. He says, now go and feed my sheep. It started... With a life-changing decision. And then carried on with Jesus filling his heart with a sense of purpose. People will try and derail you. They will try and stop you. They will try and prevent you. Even those closest to you will stop you. Try and tempt you. Try and pull you away. But I want to say to you today... A vision will keep you focused. It will keep you strong. That sense of, I'm doing, fulfilling the will of God for my life. This is God's purpose over my life. I want to tell you, people who live with a sense of purpose, you look in their eyes. Look in their eyes. My goodness. Hope. Hope is in their heart. I wonder if for bow our heads.